Welcome everyone to the Siege Mentality. It's been a while uh, between getting COVID shots and taking a little bit of a vacation. It's been a few weeks, but we're back. And boy, am I glad to be back for this one. It's episode number 25. I'm back with the original co-host of the Siege Mentality podcast, Duke. And we are talking everything Super League. What was it? What is it? Is it is it is is it was? Who the hell knows? We'll talk about everything Super League you'd ever want to know, and at some point I will take a victory lap over Tottenham firing Jose. Yes, I'm freed. We'll get there at some point as well. Duke, welcome back, buddy. It's good to be back, man. It feels like old times, just sliding right back into the old show. You know, obviously I. Took on MMA and with college football and everything else going on, I just I at some point had to see my family, and unfortunately, this was the show that um, you know got dropped for me. But I knew you and Ricky would uh, you know fit together like peas in a pod, so it was a good transition. But you know, this is we've had so many different shows on this channel. I feel like it's kind of just the elite channel, and right now you guys are killing it. So it's good to be back on, and I have everyone, everyone siege people who've never watched a soccer game in their life was asking me about this. The Super League and what the hell is it and what does it mean? It's captured the attention of the world, you know, not just Europe. So excited to break it down and see what was, what is, and where we're going from here. Yeah, it's funny. So I'm just going to – it took me, I would say, four days to figure out, like, the semi-American comp. There really isn't an American comp to this. But the closest thing I came to is if basically I told you that instead of having March Madness where you qualified through like, you know, either winning your conference or just being good at basketball, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State, UCLA, Notre Dame, add another six teams to get you to 12, said, screw the NCAA tournament. We're going to create our own thing called uh, basketball hoopla. And we get to be in every year, no matter how good or bad we are. (laughs) And we get to keep all the money. That's as close as I've gotten. Yeah, I think that's right on the money. I went to football, obviously, um, because we've had so many iterations. Like, the March Madness has been a thing for a while. It's It hasn't changed that much. We've added a few teams here or there. But for football, we've had, you know, just writers select the national championship. Then we had the BCS. Now we have the playoff system. It feels more flexible, a little bit more malleable. And we have these big-name schools like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame – who are likely going to be in the mix every single year. And they probably are asking themselves, why the hell do we need the NCAA? We can easily secure a TV contract. We can easily put on our own thing. Let's guarantee some of these revenues. But basketball may be a better example because we were missing those blue bloods this year. And that's kind of more similar to what these teams across uh, Europe were trying to eliminate was this downside because of this massive arms race that they've created themselves and, uh, and, and the huge losses that they're taking specifically over the last 12 months with COVID. And so I think that's a pretty apt, uh, you know, analogy there, Siege, honestly. But I went to football right away because there's been rumors of Ohio State, Texas, and all these other teams breaking off and creating kind of a super conference for the last 10, 15 years, just like it has been going on in soccer. I can't believe soccer was the first one to get there. 
Yeah, so the Super League was the 12, I mean, 12, I say 15, because they really had 15 teams in mind, but the tw- there were 12 teams that actually put their name on it. Uh, the six English clubs, uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal, why the hell am I forgetting the other two right now? Liverpool, Chelsea. Liverpool, Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, and then in uh, Spain, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico was the third, right? Yes. And then Italy, Juventus, AC Milan, and who am I forgetting? Inter Milan. Inter Milan. And who's the third one I'm forgetting? That's it. AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juve. Oh, that's right. Okay, I was I mixed. I combined the two teams. And then, of course, the three rumored teams were PSG... Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich. Um, so I'll start with just the general concept. Like when you heard this Sunday morning, it came out. It was going to be backed by, I believe, uh, J.P. Morgan for six billion dollars. What were your initial thoughts? Like we'd heard of rumors about this for, I guess, ever. I guess let me ask you. Let me go back one more step. Why did these twelve teams even like? get to the point where they announced this league. Like, what was their biggest problem with how football was being, or soccer, I guess, for the American-facing audience? What was wrong with the current system? Hmm, man. We could honestly spend a year discussing this because there's, there's so many roots to the problem here, but it's money. Money was the biggest thing. And I mentioned that that rat race that they've gotten themselves in, the arms race, really. You start thinking about agent fees and player salaries and, and prizes for these different tournaments. We're not talking about hundreds of thousands, millions. We're talking about billions of dollars here that these teams are now playing for. And with more eyes, typically some of that filters down to the players. So now we have players like Messi making a couple hundred million dollars a year. And these clubs are faced with unrealistic expectations from their fans to keep up with the Joneses while also keeping ticket prices reasonable and keeping it kind of a community club feeling. So what they were trying to do was eliminate, first of all, create another revenue stream. I think one of the big misnomers that's being put out there by those with the vested interest in this not happening is that this was in addition to everything that's ever been going on with soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't. It was an additional revenue stream to compete with the Champions League. And we're going to leave domestic leagues. They, you know, the players are still going to play international football. It was an additional revenue stream to limit their downside with founding members, the ones willing to make the jump, having, uh, you know, an incentive financially to do so. It puts me in a weird spot. It's almost like politics to me, Siege, because I end up defending things I don't even like. I don't even really agree with it. I didn't want the Super League. I thought maybe it was inevitable. Uh, The way they launched it was horrendous. But I'm sitting here trying – I'm now defending billionaires from something I don't even want because the reasoning behind it and what they were trying to do, to me, on the face of it, made sense. The way it was presented to the public and in the media uh, was clearly – something that no one should ever want and just spoke of pure greed. So this is funny. I wanted to get to this later, but let's get to it now. The timing on this couldn't have been worse. Whoever decided to leak this to the New York Times, I think was trying to sabotage the project. Because releasing it right now during like the Champions League Final Four, 
is the absolute worst time to do it. UEFA actually has power over you now. Like, if you did this in the offseason, like, let's say you released this in June, and you say, we're starting the Super League. I mean, your fans don't have to worry about you being thrown out of the Champions League Final Four. Like, why now? Why? It made no sense. There's, I mean, yeah, there's never going to be a great time to release this information. We saw the immediate backlash. And we'll get to UEFA in a minute here, but, you know, clearly they're clutching to their pearls and, and saying, hey, we, we've already claimed stake to this ground, and now we're kicking you out. We're taking our ball and going home. You guys can't be involved, which just added fuel to the fire here. Why they announced it now, I have no idea. Why they have Florentino Perez as the face of this thing is maybe the worst. I like. Does anyone like that guy in Madrid or everywhere else? Uh, there were. I mean, there's just there's issues all over the place with this. The timing was horrible. the The message was horrible. Everything was horrible. But yeah, I don't know. It, it certainly didn't help things. But I don't know that the response is any different if the Champions League over is over and, and we have our our champion crowned. I also certainly just think that COVID, it, when people are like stuck at like. I guess the COVID situation in Europe is not quite where it is in America right now. I think that's something we need to talk about. It's like, there's still a lot of lockdowns. People are still basically doing nothing. And so, like, their one saving grace of normality is soccer. And then, so they decide now is the time to just be like, hey, we're going to blow that up too. (laughs) Probably. They weren't. But they weren't. They were blowing up an existing system that was a reward for domestic success. They were creating an alternative to that. They were breaking up what UEFA had established. And you got to remember, not too long ago, this wasn't the Premier League. Like this, the Premier League was revolutionary and radical at the time. And and required some buy-in from the biggest teams throughout England. Uh, and eliminated some other teams, you know, in Wales and other countries, as well as potentially never being able to join this. You know, it's... People, it's it's the games evolved more than people are letting on now, and uh, it, their reaction to this is very short sighted. And uh, obviously, there's reasons to it. We'll get into them, but yeah, I, I don't know. This is it's just been a wild six or seven days. I'm almost glad we waited, and this kind of has fallen apart in the last few days because we got to see the fallout as well. But there's so much to break down. Oh yeah, it's just it's funny like people treating FIFA and UEFA as their heroes. I'm like, mm. the, the Champions League has its problems, guys. Like, and the fans, they, they don't necessarily want to be held responsible for this. But, I'm sorry, but you guys aren't watching CS, uh, you know, M- Moscow play Zaviv, like, on a Wednesday afternoon. Like, that's not the game that's going on CBS. That's not the game that's going on TNT. That's not the game that the Galazzo show is focusing on no it's real madrid playing byron munich like in the fur in the same in the group stages like so when you start paying attention to these lower tier champions league games the same as the big ones then maybe you can start complaining but otherwise like these big teams like real madrid gets nothing out of flying to moscow on a wednesday and having to play a domestic (laughs) game on sunday like they're not like that is like basically going from like California to England, like, and then flying back and then having to like have no jet lag. I, I, I don't know. I just think you kept crowning you with, I just 20 teams. I just thought was the wrong number. If they had come out with 32 
and these 12 get in automatically, or these 15 get in automatically, I think they might have been able to have a little more success with this. Like, 20 teams was just, like, basically saying it's us and no one else. And that just, like, really pissed people off. I, I just think this was poorly planned. I like the idea of it. I just think they basically designed it to fail. Which, I then asked the question, why did they design it to fail? <laughs> well, I think they overstated how much power they had. But I think, you know, fans obviously have a different perspective than these owners. And part of it was the teams that were involved. There's some curious names in there. Your team being one of them. Why are Tottenham and Arsenal included? I'll, in I'll tell you why we're included. We've got a Go nice, we got a nice brand new stadium that looks fantastic for hosting Super League finals. And since Lord knows we'll never be in one, <laughs> so you have a brand, right? And you're one of the biggest teams in the biggest market as far as television goes, and that's why they're included. Arsenal has historical success there in London. Again, another brand. It's buying power and brand power of these two teams when they're talking about negotiating a TV deal. You know, they're not going to be pumped up about Burnley, right? Make no mistake. This is about limiting downside, increasing upside for these teams. These are businesses. And I think that is the hardest thing for Europeans to wrap their heads around. And they don't want to see it. But these are billion-dollar brands. And that's going to piss some people off. I don't really give a shit. Get your head around it, people. Why the fuck do you think outside investors are so interested in your league in the first place? Why do you think the league is so relevant and so popular all over the place? Money, money, money. And without investment from foreign owners. And remember, sees it starts with Abramovich. He was really the, the kind of the catalyst of this new wave of owner in the Premier League, investing billions of dollars to create a super team, which is what Chelsea was for the longest time. The Premier League would have been left behind because other teams, other leagues are doing it. And instead it's created or at least added to what has amounted to the best league in the world. And this arms race and this Super League to me was inevitable not in this necessarily shape or form but the money is getting so big that at some point they have to limit their downside and call it the american way call it what you want here's my issue i don't like it but I i'm st i'm stuck defending it i can't imagine i'm defending people like sheikh mansoor he, he's not a guy who has a deep love for man city right the glazers don't have a deep love for man United. these are Stan businesses Kroenke's the worst Cronkies, I mean, that guy doesn't love anything. I'm not even sure he loves his kid who got murdered, by the way, in a uh, in a town hall this afternoon. I don't know if you saw that, but that was a brilliant move on their part. The Finwave group, I think they actually have some, some feelings towards Liverpool. And by the way, they saved Liverpool from maybe even getting relegated at some point. They were in shambles when the Finway group took over Liverpool. And they actually put money to into it, too. Like, they didn't just yeah. – yeah, I, I think they have definitely more – goodwill with their fans than probably like a lot of these other clubs do so i you know it's the easy thing to do is say that the americans ruined everything i do think there's some truth in that siege i, I think ed woodward at man united likely the person who concocted this <laughs> this plan this league you know he was you really think it was him over i think it was the real madrid guy no i i think and that's why they're still in it i think real madrid and barcelona uh two you know teams with heavy fan ownership uh, who elect their presidents to run their their clubs, unlike we have here in the uh, English Premier League here. I think they need it the most because they are as close to bankruptcy as you can get uh, and taking out more and more debt to keep buying more and more players to try to keep up with the Joneses. But I think it was I think it was Ed Woodward who had the relationship with JP Morgan, former exec there, um, 
who kind of got all this going, thought they could outsmart everybody, thought they were too big to uh, possibly have this not go through and unfortunately end up with egg on their face. I mean, they're resigning from Premier League positions. And that that's the other thing. There could be massive lawsuits that come from this siege because a lot of these people who were involved in the Super League were also involved with negotiating TV deals for the Premier League and all kinds of commercial deals for the Premier League sat in prominent positions within the Premier League who were privy to information that should not be available to someone who's trying to compete with them or even outside of their uh, you know, periphery there. So there's a lot of, of legality and a lot of issues that'll be popping up here where people will just be losing their jobs. They could be getting sued for who knows how much money. Yeah, but look, there's two questions that came out of that conversation that I wanted to just touch on. And maybe we're doing this out of order, but whatever. Probably. Who knows? Who knows? We knew this would go all over the place. Yeah. If, quick yes or no. Is there a Super League in the next 15 years? Hmm. With the way they presented it, no. Okay. Will there be a version of the Super League in 15 years? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Is there one within the next decade? I would say yes. I gotta be honest. I'm not sure it's dead right now. Like, this might be a hot take. I'm not sure it's dead. Because all they've done is say, we're gonna do the paperwork to get out of it. They're still technically in it. Like, I mean, I, I, there was a ton of paperwork with J.P. Morgan. And by the way, J.P. Morgan just might say, hell no, we're not letting you out. <laughs> like, six, they, they had committed a ton of money to this project. I just I, saw J.P. Morgan was downgraded by a credit agency because of this. I don't think it's dead. Like, I think they might just be waiting for the Champions League to end. I, they still have a ton of power, and I know that the UEFA added these like money guarantees if you make it for the big teams. But I, I don't know. I, like the problem with me is just that like maybe this is an England problem. Maybe it's the same other other countries. You can tell me. But these big teams pay for all the shitty. Excuse my language. That's probably not the right word. But like the championship and League One and League Two and. Even lower. Like, these big teams foot a ton of the builds to keep those clubs around. Right? That's what people are actually upset about in England. They're not upset about, like, the good teams playing each other. It's, they just assumed it meant it would kill all the other leagues below it, which they didn't want. Right? It might, like, if you, if you, if the Super League itself came out, like, we will make sure that all these other leagues are paid for, your teams aren't going anywhere. Like, that's where a percentage of this six billion to go is like, we're, all these other teams are not going anywhere, but now you get to play bigger games. If they had marketed it like that, is the fan out or still this crazy? Yeah, that's a great question. I th- and I think that's where my issues really came from was the hypocrisy and the self-interest that came out of everyone who was so opposed of this in the media. Um, and, and it's a pyramid, right? That's what everyone keeps talking about, the pyramid. All the clubs that filter down. England, you know, English football has dozens of divisions all the way down to non-league football. Um, but to answer your other question first, and we'll talk about the pyramid, I do think in the next 15 years we see something, some sort of super league tournament um, outside the parameter. It might just be, you know, a 12-team tournament that happens maybe even uh, in the summer or something like that where – 
basically the turn, guaranteed the, turn, entry. The, turn the international cup into actually like a real competition. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that could happen, but anyways, let's talk about the pyramid. Cause I do think it's important. And this is where a lot of people fans will say fans have really puffed their chest out and said, you know, you don't understand the way this has worked. It's like, it's hard to equate to anything in American sports because we don't really have promotion and relegation, but the theory is every club started as a local town club and have built themselves up over the last couple hundred years. Some have great success, others not so much, but there's always that path to the next step and more money to the point where, you know, the championship, the second division in England has a game literally titled the most expensive game in the world. It's the playoff final where the winner gets to go to the premier league and get the 80 million pound windfall that comes with it once again it's about money siege and it, prestige is one thing but you see some of these teams that come up from the championship don't reinvest that money in the squad and they're happy with their one year there they'll go back down and then try to win again at some point in the next 20 years it's about that that thought and that dream of making it to the next level and the problem that's happened in the last i'll say 15 years or so is the money has gotten so high that the prestige of getting there isn't as important as the money involved. It's not the dream of getting the premier league. It's the dream of being able to buy better players and stay in the premier league. And then maybe work your way up over the next four or five years. That's really where the dream has come. And if you chop the head off the snake and you eliminate these six teams that have said they were going to join this league, that money drops. And all of a sudden the 80 million that okay, you but get, they weren't going to leave the premier league. No, but that's what they that's what they said. They said if you play in this, you're not allowed to play in the Premier League. Okay, but that was not, that was the most idle threat I've heard of the whole bunch. The Premier League's going to tank the value of their own contracts out of out of out of like being angry. Come on, like that that threat was just basically to piss the fans off. There's no way if Man City, Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Liverpool wanted to play in your league, you're not going to tell them to go f off. No way. Everything here has been dictated by money. So now you're just going to throw away a couple billion pounds? Come on. Get out of here. That was the most BS. Like, a, a, a lawyer that came to get into law school could tell you that's bullshit. Like, come on. And people are eating that up. Like, oh my God, they're going to throw Man City out of the... Shut up. No, they're not. So you, you don't believe they would dock points from these teams? Dock points? You know what, though? You know what would be fun? Like, okay, you guys play in the Super League? You start the season at minus five points apiece. Like, okay. <laughs> so like, you can get creative with I like that idea. I like that like, idea. Like these, teams, like, these teams think that, like, the Super League's going to kill their chance of, like, okay, if you're in the Super League, like, minus five points. You win the Super League, minus ten. And now, talk about making the Premier League interesting. Here we go. I think, I honestly think it's closer to being a real possibility as far as kicking them out of the league than you're making it out to be. Siege, no, because no chance. The, at this every, point, dude, this everything's is about the, money. Everything's about money. But this is the survival of the Premier League. How is it the survival of the Premier League? If there's Super Leagues around the Premier League, if those English teams are still going to play in the Premier League, the Premier League's going to be fine. Exactly. Now, now, That's why they had... 20, here's but, my problem with the Super League. 20 teams was never enough. Like, you have to give them more of a chance to join than that. Right? So, like, that's my issue. It's like 20 teams was never going to fly it. But if it had been 32 and it's like, okay, there's 17 spots available to get into this thing, that's not all that different than it is right now. Exactly. 
And so if this happens, if the Super League goes through and the Premier League just says, look, just please stick around. Just give us our money. Go do what you want on the side. It's like if I was like, you know, my wife and I are in a fight and she's like, well, I'm going to go bang this dude. It's like, no, don't do, don't do that. If you do that, I'm taking the kid and we're leaving. And she's like, well, I kind of like the kid. And I'm like, okay, fine. Just go do that. Go play around a little bit. Well, then what's next? What else could she do? What else could these teams do? They will expand the Super League. Then all of a sudden, you know, Leicester and Everton and all these guys are, are planning that as well. So then at some point, the Premier League loses its lure. And all of a sudden, that maybe teams start treating it like the EFL Cup. And you get youth players playing in these games. And the value runs down. And look, I'm more with you than against you on this. I don't think they'd actually kick them out of the league. But they have to make that threat because it, it's it's the viability of the league. And the second that they did, and then UEFA comes out and says, your players can't play on their national teams. Also, they yes, they're not going to the get rid of the they won't World be able Cup to play money. in the Euro Cup. Again, it's a selfish, hypocritical thing. If this goes through, UEFA loses the Champions League. Maybe they play in it, maybe they don't. But it's definitely losing its value because, again, there's something else that's competing with it. So, of course, UEFA has a vested interest in this. FIFA has a vested interest in UEFA. And so they say between the two of them, these players will not be able to play in the World Cup. Why? Because then the players will be against this, which we saw immediately after that was spoken. And you see Jordan Henderson going out and having captains beating and players posting on Instagram. Their interest is in playing in a World Cup. They have a limited window to do so. It's a small pool anyway, but those are the most influential players. Everyone who's come out against this, every single person, I have receipts and we'll go through them, has a vested interest monetarily and otherwise in this not going through. I've yet to see someone who didn't really have a monetary interest in this come out and say, this is the dumbest idea. Pierce St. Germain, by the way, is the most hypocritical of the bunch. The most. Yeah. Well, you want to start there? Sure. Okay. So even not like super, super soccer fan me knows why PSG didn't join. It's not because of, oh, we want to save soccer. Bullshit. Their owner owns Bine, who has the freaking Champions League contract for 10 years. That's why they didn't join. Nothing less. That's it. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Like Paris Saint-Germain would have happily been in had their owner not invested so much in the damn UEFA Champions League contract. 100% and been glad-handed sweetheart deals when they've clearly broken financial fair play regulations. Like these are all like, Hey buddy, I'll take care of you. If you take care of me, PSG shouldn't even be a club right now. They should be, they shouldn't be allowed in the champions league. Um, they should have been fine points. They should have had to sell players to make up the difference. They're, you know, they're making up phony sponsorships that far outweigh the commercial reach uh, not necessarily today because of the Jordan brand and everything to make up the difference in the money that they're losing as they're buying all these players. How can you spend $500 million on Mbappe and Neymar and clear the books in the same year? Like it just, it doesn't happen. And so they have glad hand deals with these horrible, horrible companies, we'll call them UEFA and FIFA. And so of course they're going to back these people up. And, and again, they'll get more favors down the line because they were one of three teams that they really needed to get in that didn't jump at the Super League uh, proposal. Yeah, the German team. The German teams are the only ones that I actually think like have any like claim to being like. No, 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 Siege. Let me go into this because screw Bayern Munich. The German league to me 
And Brownie, one of the guys, Brownie, um, over at Elite Fantasy, wanted me to jump in the 50 plus one. If we have time at the end, I'll do that um, and, and why that wouldn't work in an English game. But of course, Bayern Munich wants to keep it as is. As of right now, they just plunder everyone from the Bundesliga, right? Think of all of their best players. They're all just, they're as they strengthen themselves, they're weakening their opponents. So they don't want to change anything. They have a guaranteed spot in the Champions League every single year. They're going to finish first or second every single year. And the way that system is set up and the money is increasing now as they're in, you know, getting more viewers and coming into America and other markets. Bayern are here, you know, they're 15 X what the next closest competitor is. They don't want these other teams getting money, more money and being able to compete more. They want to keep it exactly as is. So they're playing the high and mighty role of football is, is the way it's supposed to be. No, it's not. Just have some brass balls and go join the best in the world and play them every single week. I make fun of PSG all the time and playing in Ligue 1 as a farmer's league. The Bundesliga is not far behind it. Don't get me wrong. I love the Bundesliga. It's fun. They rarely defend. There's goals all over the place. But to say you want a, player, a fair playing field and, and be Bayern Munich, who's won nine or less, ten championships, usually by multiple you know, double-digit points, don't talk to me about fair Bayern Munich. Okay, then. It looks like you're ready to go on a couple of rants, Duke. Well, why don't you take the lead here? Where, where do you want to go next? Well, I, you know, Byron's one of them. I got to talk about my boy Gary Neville. Let's start with Pep. Let's start with Pep Guardiola, because Pep Guardiola came out and said the same thing basically Byron did. Right? It's about fair competition. We want to make sure we're playing for something, winning or losing. I don't understand what about the Super League would mean they doesn't matter if they win or lose. Yes, they're getting guaranteed money to compete. You're doing the same thing in the Premier League. You have TV contracts. You have X number of dollars that you get no matter what, based on how many times you're on, you know, shown on TV. The place in the table matters a little bit, but it would in the Super League as well. It's just more money that's guaranteed versus the Premier League. And by the way, if you're worried about fair competition, go manage Stoke. Maybe don't manage Barcelona. Bayern Munich and Man City. Maybe don't spend 1.5 billion euros on new players to make sure you have the best of the best. This guy talking about fair, give me a break. All right, let's go to Gary Neville. Uh, I, I think most people heard what he had to say uh, when he this got announced. Uh, I just got to know what Duke's thoughts are on this. Because if you have thoughts, this is going to get good. I mean, we could curse when this was my show. Can we curse? Yeah, we can curse as long as I mean. I, I didn't stop that rule. Lord knows Fuck that. you. Fuck you, Gary Neville. If you were just a fan, if you were just a former player, if you were just the legend that you are, maybe the best right back that's ever played at Man United, you could argue in England. I would genuinely care about what he says. But once again, we mentioned it earlier, Siege. This guy has a vested interest in the Premier League maintaining its worth. As he and the class of 92 partner up with a billionaire, Peter Lim, to buy Salford City FC, who was a non-football league team. Basically, they played on you know a dirt patch in a small stadium with the goal of going to the Premier League. Through nothing else other than sheer financial power, they're going 6x, 10x, 12x on the payroll versus their opponents every single day. And Gary Neville even came out and said, I think in just in September, he's against fundamentally disagrees with the salary cap in league one and league two, which for those who don't know is the third and fourth division of English football. 
Gary Neville's only goal is to grab this small club just outside of Manchester and get them to the Premier League through nothing other than financial dominance. And he has the gall to go on TV and point his finger, shake his finger, shame on you to every single one of these clubs for wanting to have financial success when his only goal with this small town club, which is an awesome documentary, by the way, I think it's on YouTube, Siege, if you haven't seen it, to see it go from nothing to where it is. The fans there are even going, I kind of miss my old club. Like everything is about money now. We're firing managers left and right. We have these players making, you know, 15 times what our entire budget was when these guys took over. They're literally just trying to buy their way through financial might through the the divisions so they can get to the Premier League. They've been successful so far, but these it's so funny to me. Where, 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 where are they at right now in the pecking order? These I think they're in the fourth division, if I'm not mistaken, Siege. But let me look this up while we're doing it. These salary restrictions are eliminating their path directly to the Premier League that they had all lined out. And they have investors to please, you know, themselves, their reputations to please. Uh, and, and it's coming to a head now. And so Gary Neville, Salford sits ninth, by the way, in League Two, four divisions from the top. Um, 42 games played, 62. Doesn't look like they're going to make they guess they could sneak into the playoff, but unlikely to get promoted here in League Two, which is oh, so as soon as, as soon as it came down to actual talent and not just spending your way, they got no wonder he, uh, no wonder he's upset. And so, if Man United, if Liverpool, if Man City, if Arsenal, if Tottenham, and if people just tossing those two aside, those are big names. If they have their interest elsewhere in the Super League, again, the worth of the Premier League lessens tremendously. And then that investment that's But isn't making... that the case now for the big six? Like, isn't that really the case? Like, Liverpool threw in the towel on the on the domestic league in like December. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. I it's just not talked about. Like Klopp came out and basically was like, Yeah, there's really no road to us winning, so we gotta win the Champions League. Like I'm sorry, but like just because it's not spoken about doesn't mean it's not happening now, right? Yeah, you know, like Tottenham I think... was gonna. Tottenham tried. They tried to take the league. Then they fucked up Europa, and now are trying to actually try in the league again. <laughs> See, I think yeah, teams are trying more than you're giving them credit for because I know you said Tottenham had bowed out of the league, you know, months ago. They had. Really Look at the lineups they, they were rolling out. I really thought they were giving it their best shot, but it was just the manager kind of getting in the way. We will get well, into that. That's true, too. But, that, that's, but yeah, that Liverpool, is the this we look at the cups, like the EFL Cup, Carabao Cup, whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, just five, six years ago was something that was taken relatively seriously and a great way to blood new players. But then as we get into the final 32, 16 teams, you know, we see first teams going in and people actually competing for a cup. They just don't care anymore. Like, they just do not care. It's not worth anything. The FA Cup has taken a backseat in many instances because there's so much money in the Premier League. And for me, Siege, and, you know, I wasn't born and raised in England. I didn't grow up with this. My dad wasn't a huge football fan. That breaks my heart because those were the games you really wanted to see. And a lot of times in the States, that's really the games we got was the FA Cup final and, you know, a few random Premier League highlight shows. That's taken a backseat because of the money that's involved in the Premier League now. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit unspoken. And as the gap in the top has shrunk, it's pretty obvious when you're in and when you're out of it. And so you have to allocate your resources appropriately. I can't hate on that. Um, and, you know, to your point, I don't know that they're getting enough hate 
for that. You know, I think Liverpool fans are understanding Virgil van Dijk gets hurt. Joe Gomez gets hurt. You know, then we have to buy two new center backs and they're all hurt. And so they're dealing with some issues, but man, they've been pathetic this year and really haven't gotten enough, uh, enough shit for it, to be honest. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy year too. It's a COVID year. Like I, I get it in some respects, but it's just, to me, it just feels like, and it's, I don't want to just blame the teams, right? For this caring about champions league and stuff. It's just sports in general now. Mm-hmm. Like in America, remember when like winning your division meant something? Like winning the pennant meant something? Winning your conference meant something? Now it's just like national title or bust. Like you suck. You didn't win national title. You suck. It's in, it's in every sport now worldwide. At some point, the fans just need to own it that they have the they're they're part of the problem. If they actually gave a shit about the EFL Cup and the FAA Cup. And you know, winning your in winning your in making the playoffs, like if fans actually cared about that and with their wallet, those things would matter still. Man, you'd like to think so, but the the delta in money is so huge. I don't know that it'll ever make up. You know, these it's not like they're playing to have full stadiums. They're still packing out. You know, for uh, you know a Man United home game. And part of the beauty of the FA Cup is, you know, I'm giving Gary Neville shit, but. A Manchester United with a you know two hundred million dollar payroll going to play you know you know little FC whose entire payroll is played like Marine this year a hundred thousand yeah hundred thousand pounds or something like that like that's the cool thing about the FA Cup and it's it's kind of lost some of that draw but yeah I mean it's it's a sports in general issue you know we can have the argument to we're blue in the face if there's too much money in sports like I I can't wrap my head around you know a, a ninth guy off the bench on a below, you know, let's say a ninth place in the conference team making $15 million in the NBA. Like, I just can't wrap my head around. I'm glad the players are getting the money, but it just makes it hard for me to watch because that guy is not that much better than, you know, a guy sitting at home making $0 or in Europe making a hundred grand. That's a different conversation. To me, this is, uh, this is, it's a business and the fans haven't really wrapped their head around it. They, they're, they're grasping on to their, the roots and the childhood what they think football used to be but guess what you know who chased the american audience you know who chased he's chasing asia right now and india and and doing tours in the china it's, it's all these teams man like you don't look at us don't blame me that i'm you know worth a bunch of money to your team uh and and you're now being called legacy fans I'd love to go to the games. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. It's tough for me to make the flights every Sunday. So you guys go support the team there. I'll support the team here. You're no better or worse than I am, but understand that soccer football is evolving. And as, as will the competitions, I don't know what to say. I don't know. The super league was not the right answer, but just saying, let's keep it as is forever. is just not going to happen. So understand that change is coming. And guess what? You guys wanted those rich honors because you guys were falling behind the rest of Europe. Like, don't forget that. You wanted these owners because you guys were starting to really fall behind. So, guess what? You don't just get to take their money and when they try to figure out how to get something back, be like, whoa, whoa! That's a great point, man, because (laughs) why was LFC so welcomed into uh, Fenway? Why were they so welcomed into Liverpool? Because they were done. Yeah, because he had money. They're willing to invest in the team. They're going to bring in Jurgen Klopp and, and Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and 
you know, Virgil van Dyke, you know, the richest center back in the history of football, because they're going to spend money. Why is Man United, my club, why are fans so jacked about some Saudi group going to come in and take over the Glazers for $4 billion? That's what we're doing. Saudi money. That's what we're really chasing here. You know, the morality of, of fans is, is malleable at best. But I got I got a few more people to call out, Siege, if you, if you don't mind. Go. Gary Neville, fuck you. David Beckham, fuck you. I'm calling out all of my childhood idols. David Beckham comes out and says, we need football to be fair. We need competitions based on merit. Motherfucker, you were handed a sweetheart deal to purchase a franchise below market rate into a closed league in the biggest market in the world. And by the way, didn't, like, they, didn't, they, didn't they just get caught for cheating? <laughs> what are we doing? What's fair in market? What's fair in merit based about that? You bought Miami FC at like $25 I swear million they just people. got caught for like cheating on a contract too. Yeah, they've had a hundred different things go wrong with trying to find a stadium location. Like they're just winging shit together, knowing they're going to make money hand over fist if they just pull it together. Finally have a team. Maybe they're investing in the squad, but there's nothing fair and merit based on you getting a, a franchise 15x below the market rate right now. How about UEFA? Let's talk about them and FIFA. Let's talk about them. We're getting ready to play a World Cup in seven months, nine months, in the middle of a season in Qatar. A Qatar who had no infrastructure at all, capable of hosting a Still doesn't, by the way. What's that? Still doesn't. No. Well, and even worse, they had to build all of it through basically slave labor, bringing in hundreds of thousands of migrant workers to build all this infrastructure, to play in air-conditioned stadiums. Everyone's worried about the environment. We're just going to pump air conditioning into a giant 50,000-seat stadium? It doesn't work the either. Of a month? It doesn't even work, apparently. I mean, UEFA. It's not like there's some small organization. I tweeted out in 2015, they made $4.5 billion. 2016, $2.8, $2.7, $3.9 billion. Everyone's protecting their own little nest in this. There's no innocent parties. I, you know, maybe the final word is these owners probably overstepped and did a horrible job of messaging and telling people what this league was going to be. But there are no innocent parties in this. The players had a vested interest in being able to play in the Premier League. And by the way, we didn't mention this siege. Part of the proposal proposal for the Super League was a salary cap, reduced agent fees, capping transfer fees. Like these are all things that hurt the players as well. So while they come out and say, you know, protect the pyramid, they're working at their pocketbooks as well. Gary Neville's looking at his pocketbook. David Beckham's looking at us. Everyone's looking at their own pocketbooks. And so while people have chosen to be high and mighty and take the high moral ground, understand where that motivation is coming from. I disagree with everything. I don't want the Super League. I don't like it. But yet I'm sitting here having to defend it because all these other people are just being so hypocritical with their reasoning. I just, the messaging was so bad. I just want to know who leaked it. Someone who was in it and didn't, like, they were so unprepared. It's clear that it wasn't supposed to get out yet. You know who I thought immediately? Who? Who is like the, no disrespect, but aren't Russians all like just sneaky, like little people? Like, Roman Abramovich doesn't need the money. He's got, <laughs> he's buddies with Putin, man. He's just gonna make another billion dollars next year. I think just, he just, may have got in this and then said, let's leak this. Let's destroy everybody else. And destroy Man United in the process? Yeah. Seriously. It's, it's, it's him or Sheikh Mansour. Neither of those guys need the money. Yeah. And that would just be more self-interest. Like, 
hurting. It's the Bayern. Like, by the way, I your... think I think people are going to regret this when Tottenham gets all the NFL money back. Like, you have to remember, like they built that stadium basically just to host NFL games, and they're going to get that NFL money. Like, they're going to get it. I think starting as soon as get is this year. Like, they're going to get all that NFL money. It's good. I, I, people are going to be pissed. Like, that that contract's a lot of money. I mean, it, yeah. It's... And bye-bye, Jose. See you later, buddy. Oh. <laughs> I told you from day one. By, by the way, what a great news. You know why Tottenham fans didn't hate Levy as much as all the other fan groups? What a great decision. He probably wanted to fire him months ago. He's like, all right, we got to wait for the Super League to come out so we can give our fans a bone. Like, the that's the only reason you nice. fire him yeah. six days before a uh, cup final, right? It's funny. You know, it's just, my brother's a Chelsea fan. You know, Jose basically won them their only Premier League titles. And he hates them. Hated them. To the point where when I, you know, they brought Mourinho into United, I said, I don't care. As long as he just brings me trophies, I don't care. And he goes, do not say that. He's going to destroy your club. I said, you're so bitter. He's the only one that brings you winners. I said, don't say that. And then I'm kicking his ass out, you know, six months later. And then he gets hired at Tottenham. And I say, be careful what you wish for, guys. This is not going to go as planned. And now It'll here be we fine, are. fine, I say. <laughs> we well, I didn't want Posh to be fired, though, in my defense. I thought that was yeah. so stupid. It was Levy just, ugh. I think yeah, I think that was a point here. where it was, I think everyone was ready for a split. Man, Jose was just a tough one to follow that act because I think Pochettino did a great job with uh, with with the roster. But Yeah, I think he would have been gone sooner if he hadn't made that Champions League final. But, man. I mean, it was good to see them actually play some offense. Like, you could tell the halftime speech was basically, I don't care if you give up four fucking goals in the second half. Just go play some fucking offense. Because, like, the first half, they were just so timid. Because you could see they're like, ooh, if I make this bad, like, aggressive pass and it ends up in a goal, I'm going to be in a freaking Mourinho's doghouse for a month. And in the second half, you could just see they're like, screw it, we're just going to play. And, like, they were just dominating. I mean, granted, Southampton did their Southampton second half collapse thing. But a lot of it was just because Tottenham's just like, screw it. We're going to move the ball around. We're going to go in the box. We're going to make runs. And if we give up a three-on-three on the back end, eh, whatever. We're good enough. We can defend it. I was like, it was just actually like enjoyable to watch, and I was like, I like the talent, like that bail goal was just ridiculous. I was just like, this is what we should have been all fucking season. I get I'm, your I'm frustration, kind of excited man. for the cup final. I got to be honest. Yeah, I, I kind of think we got a little. I think a little upset magic could be in the air in the cup final. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh... if, if we just say screw it and we're gonna try to score, like try to turn this into a shootout against Man City, we've had success doing that. Like outscoring Man City in shootouts, like that's how we got to the Champions League final. Is we just outscored Man City over a home and home leg. Like it's one game, but I think that's the best chance to beat them is to just try to go out and score goals. And if you give up some, so be it. Yeah, good luck with that uh, against Man City. <laughs> I mean, it, it worked for us. It wasn't that long ago. I will say this, and also um, too, the timing's really nice too. Like three days before their first leg against PSG is really good timing. Yeah, it's in, and we saw it uh, yesterday. I think it was. Uh, there's so much soccer right now. My brain's literally in a pretzel. Was it yesterday that Man City played? Uh, same day Tottenham played. Was that yesterday? I think that was yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah what yesterday. The, what, the, what a crazy game that was. Two red cards. Insane <laughs> game. Ten, ten on ten. Phil Foden is uh, very, very good. But 
you know, a little bit of rotation there. We didn't see Cancelo, um, you know, Bernardo Silva in the midfield. I don't think uh, De Bruyne's going to be healthy. So you never know. It's, it should be a hell of a game. But I, um, Spurs plus, I think I saw plus 470 or something earlier today. And I was just like, all right, come on. I think well, that's what I saw hey, when I looked at I, it. I, I think I wrote it in my article for today. Uh, Spurs are all over the place. Defensively, absolutely horrendous. The midfield in shambles. So if they play, I haven't even looked at their, their uh, let's see what their upcoming games are. It, they don't play anyone good. Like our schedule is like really bad. Like we yeah, fight like field. Okay. You yeah. can work some things out leads. Oof, that could be, that's going to uh, over bet the over. Yeah. That one could get fun. Wolves Villa and then Lester at home. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Mason could sort some things out. He had two days to work with the guys before. Yeah. Plus 480 uh, though. Like sign me up for plus 480. Tell you right now. Like get me. I just, I just like the, the, the defense was definitely an issue, but I think a lot of it was just a lack of confidence. Like I, I just think like, you know, I just think, like, the good news is there's no pressure on them in this cup final, too. Like, no one expects them to do anything. And that's when Spurs are at their best, when they don't, like, there's no pressure. Like, they can just go out and just be like, YOLO. That's when you get the best out of them. Like, remember that Manchester United game earlier in the season where it was like, oh, they're going to get run over. They give up a goal immediately, and then they score, like, seven in a row or something. Like, that's when they play their best football. I don't remember that. I don't remember yeah, that. You, I don't, yeah, uh, I think you probably, bottle of whiskey helped you forget that about that game. Well, let's uh, let's let's wrap up the Super League siege because okay. let me know what you think about about this because part of I do think I love Champions League Tuesdays and Wednesdays absolutely love it and I'll I'll watch the other games I have to it's part of my job but I still enjoy watching you know Zagreb you know play locomotive or whatever the hell's going on I do like it because those are special nights and I think having a league with all these super teams would reduce that a little bit but it'd still be fun. And by the way, at the end of the day, these owners got what they wanted. They got more money. UEFA swoops in, offers these English clubs major cash injection, reduced financial fair play rules. They're playing more games. They're getting more revenue. And they're also going to give spots to elite clubs that fail to qualify. So these owners got what they wanted. And you know, my question for UEFA is why, why did it take this, them threatening to create competition directly with you to offer them these things? It's a, it's a free market and the hypocrisy and the greed of UEFA has led to the greed of these owners, which again, I don't support, but understand. And so, you know, I'm glad it's not going through. I, I do crave those Tuesday and Wednesday nights, but I don't know. What do you think about the long-term viability of maybe these teams playing more regularly? I just think that, the problem still is going to be for these English clubs, the flights. Like, flying to Bulgaria, to Russia, to Poland, to even Italy. It's just, it's the wear. It's the tear. And that isn't going to change no matter how much money you give them. Hmm. Right? And I think you're going to see teams more and more take, especially these elite clubs... I think they're going to start... You started to see it this year, and they used COVID as the excuse, and it went okay for almost all of them. So I think you're going to start seeing it moving forward. Where best players are not taking the flight to Bulgaria, to Russia. Until that problem is fixed, I'm always going to be skeptical about Champions League and how much money it can really bring in. Because you're not gonna, if you're not requiring teams' best effort, then you're, it's not the best product you got to require teams' best effort. That's when you get the best product. 
And Champions League still has that problem. It's where the best teams don't have to try. And that's probably where I think the biggest issue is. Yeah, we do see some surprises every year, but mostly, I've been doing this for the last few years, I usually tweet them out. You can pick the top two finishers. Like, there's some surprises, but you can basically pick the top two finishers when the groups are announced. And adding more games like they have to appease and these owners and give them more revenue is just going to lead to what you're talking about. If I have 10 games as opposed to six, I can punt one or two. I can send the second squad to go you know, to Russia or, or whatever. So it's just going to exacerbate the problem. And by the way, we didn't even talk about Europa League. United's in it right now. Tottenham's in it every year unless they don't qualify because they're finished eighth or worse. Or they have to go through. Or like, remember the, <laughs> one of the first episodes we did, they were in like some no-name. I can't remember. They were, like, they were playing some no-name club. Down one nothing. And like with like 10 minutes to go, and it was still only plus 500, I remember just slamming it. And then they scored, got a red card, <laughs> scored like immediately. But it was just like, like it's just, uh yeah. But God. what a money grab the Europa League is. That was created strictly is for it, Aren't they adding another league below Europa League 2 coming up? I don't know. Is, I, I think they are. I think is that's a money grab too. It's like they're adding a league. I'm pretty sure they're adding a league below the Europa League. So remember. Sorry, next year. This was... This was about limiting downside and increasing the revenue a little bit. It was about controlling the market, the transfer market, the player fees, the wages. It was greedy. Absolutely, it was greedy. But these are businesses, and I understand where these owners were coming from. But do not forget the greed involved with everyone else that has opened their mouth throughout this last week. Every single person to a person. And by the way, if you if you know someone who doesn't have a vested interest in it, hit me up, hit C-Job. Let me know who it was because maybe I missed it. Because everything I've seen, everything I've written down, everything I've bookmarked on Twitter has had a vested interest in, in this not happening, a financial interest. And, you know, they're all getting a pass because we want to preserve the pyramid. Look deeper. Have uh, have some more vision than than just what's on the surface there. Yeah, they're, they're adding a third Europe, Europe uh, conference. It's called the Europa Conference League. Which is a third? It's like basically now like the third tier Europe competition. Good to, Lord. Why? To get more money. Money, baby. And guess what? More teams from England are going to be in that league too. It's just, I'm telling you, like the Premier League thinks that like the big six were the problem. I think they're going to find out over the next five six years. It's all these damn UEFA competitions that are the problem. Straight up. Hundred percent. Totally agree. Like having the best teams play each other would actually be like the best of these problems. But, oh, well, I think it'll take everyone else five years to get there. They'll get there. All right, so if I set the over-under on the Super League kicking off fall of 2031, some version of the Super League, not this version, maybe it's a 32 team, but some version of the Super League, fall of 2031, you taking the later or the earlier? Yeah, I'm going earlier, earlier. So we have Qatar in 2022, the U.S. in 2026, I wouldn't be shocked to see something happen around or maybe even a little bit before that 2026 U.S. World Cup. Yeah, that's a pretty good – that's a really good time to threaten it, I think. Like that would be the – I think – I still – I just th – this was not planned to be come out now. I, I, I will take that to my grave. This was not intended to come out on Sunday when it came out. I just – They'll – you know, they'll, they'll find something. They'll give – their share to the Premier League, they'll give their share to UEFA. They'll find something to get this done. It's going to happen in some form. And but, guess uh, what? The fans secretly want it. 
Yeah. Like if if you could just like that's the thing they secretly want it like yeah they love their club two like their league two their league three their league four teams I get it end of the day you're turning on your TV for Real Madrid and Man City Tottenham Juventus you know Munich and Barcelona like PSG Poch comes back to Tottenham you don't think people are gonna watch that game of course they are and they're also gonna get mur- get murdered they're gonna lose by six. Because Pasha's going to keep piling it on. <laughs> but, that. I'm just saying, people will watch. I well, would watch. I'd watch it. Yeah, I'd watch it. Imagine, every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon, I'd get great games from these teams. Be hey, awesome. by the way, I mentioned earlier, the World Cup's going to be coming up uh, in the fall next year, early winter. I murder World Cup. I made like $27,000 You uh, murdered, last you World murdered Cup. Champions League group stage. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. It's so if you haven't signed up yet, make sure you get in. Um, you know, for that, is that for the this, soccer that's basketball. what is that nine months from now? Yeah, G- uh, November, November of twenty twenty one. So, so seven, <laughs> it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. God, yeah. I'm that far away. It's ridiculous. Oh, that'd be awesome. It, what What are the game times going to be? Uh, I haven't even thought about that. So it's it's nighttime in Qatar, right? Because they're doing the games at night. Let me look this up. Let's see, here. this is good pos- podcasting, by the way. Hey, it's it's it's, hey. it's 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 all good. It's right at the end. This is this is magic. This is perfect. Five a.m., ten a.m., two p.m. Five a.m., ten a.m., two p.m. That's perfect for us, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because we had the similar situation when it was in um, where the hell was it, Germany or wherever. But no one wants to get up that early, so we have a leg up on the competition there. Just wake your ass up. We're going to make money. And then you got 10 a.m. if you're at work and 2 p.m. where you can go take a late lunch and grab a beer. This is awesome. God, I remember five. I was in, I think it was Vegas for Germany when the U.S. was in this round of 16 against, um, I think it was Germany too. God, that was an early wake-up call, but it was fun as hell. <laughs> By the way, it's it's uh, November 2022. I don't, I don't know why I was thinking 21. Oh, we got so, a little there, bit so, we have, so we've got 16 months or so. 16 months. Europa's coming up this summer. Um, this summer is not Europa, the Europa, Europa. It's um, Euro. I don't know yep, Euros, Euro yeah. Championships. God, that'll be fun too. Watch out for Norway. Norway's gonna be great. And just uh, when the when does that draw come out? When do they finish those qualifiers? They got one more round of qualifiers left. Um, I, I think say one more round. It's done they because that, they it was supposed to be last summer. Right? It was supposed to be last summer. So I think the groups are set. All right, let's see. Aren't they? I thought they were still doing qualifiers. I like I pr- I'm pretty sure that's why Gareth Bale's been like actually trying to get in shape is because they were trying to qualify. Yeah, gr- uh, Group A is Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, Wales. Uh, psh, that's a tough group, kind of like Italy out of there. Group B: Belgium, Russia, Denmark, and Finland. You got to go Belgium there. Group C: Ukraine, Netherlands, Austria, North Macedonia. Ukraine might put up a fight there, but might. Assuming they fire Frank DeBoer, I'll give Netherlands a shot there. Otherwise, I like Ukraine. Group D, England, Croatia, Czech Republic, Scotland. Maybe the toughest group so far, but got to lean England there. Group E, Spain, Poland, Sweden, Slovakia. I wonder if Zlatan's going to play in that. He's been coming back into the national team, but lean Spain there. And then finally, Group F, Germany, France, Portugal, Hungary. That is the group of death. You got to go France. Germany's been in such horrible form, and Portugal was aging before our eyes. There you go. So you, your said, you said France, you said? France, yep. 
got group F. Poor Hungary. Have fun with that. Yeah, yeah, they they'll probably pick up a random win because everyone's so focused. Oh, on the, the oh the, that's right. They're at home though. They're yeah. hosting Group F. Oh, they're not dead. They're pretty dead. They're pretty dead. All right, fine. Oh man, I forgot that. I forgot that like each country's randomly like hosting these too. That's gonna be like really interesting for betting. Like for example, Group D. Like you would imagine Croatia. Or the or Czech Republic, but Scotland's going to do something stupid because they're going to be at home. <laughs> yeah, and they're not bad. No, they're not bad. To... They're going to upset somebody in that group. I don't know who it's going to be, but they're going to have an upset. All right. Now we're completely off the rails, but <laughs> that's okay. That, that's what happens when you get me talking soccer. Once, like, once I get locked in, I'm ready to go. Duke, I really appreciate you taking the time. I really hope the people enjoyed it. Uh, if you haven't already... Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, help us out tremendously. Anything else you want to say before you get out of here? Happy to um, have conversations. If you disagree with anything Siege or I have had to say, just hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DukeDFS. Um, you know, again, I'm putting a weird position where we're um, semi-defending something I don't even want, but you got to look deeper over here, boys and girls. I mean, it's just, yeah. Anytime I like when you're way fun FIFA are the good guys, I'm gonna give it a second look. Like, yeah, hold on a that's second. That's really well put. Like, it's really well it, it just something's not right here. If they're the good guys and the heroes in the story, okay, there's something. Yeah, the more guys taking it. bribes and giving you know World Cups to places that don't even have a stadium who use slave labor to build them. Those are the guys we're trusting. Cool, Over the cool, United cool. States, who like yeah had all the votes going into that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. All right, really appreciate it, everybody. Uh, I'll be back next week talking NFL drafts, which is right around the corner. So back next week, uh, either solo or I will bring on a guest. We'll talk NFL draft. This is the Siege Mentality Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.